I'm your host, Bradley Martin, and this is Clearing the Way, a resource for small business owners. Hello, humans. I'm your host, Bradley Martin, and this is Clearing the Way, a resource for small business. Uh, I talk with sales and HR experts, other small business owners, and anyone else that can provide us with information to clear your way to success. Today will be another expert episode. Uh, today's topic, financial planning for small business owners. My guest today is Joe Pizar, certified financial planner at Stein Wealth Advisors. Joe graduated from Mercyhurst College in 20, 2005 uh, with a degree in business management. In his time there, he was active in student government, was a member of both football and wrestling teams. In 2006, he started his first job in finance, spent the next 12 years as a personal financial advisor. In 2018, he became director of financial planning. Uh, in 2020, Joe moved on to Stein Wealth Advisors, where he is still a certified financial planner. Joe's super active in the community here in Washington. Uh, he served on the boards of Leadership Washington County, Literacy Council, Southwestern PA, uh, Financial Planning Association of Pittsburgh, the David Bradford House Historical Association. Um, he is a 15-year member of the Rotary Club of Washington and a trustee of the Washington County Community Foundation. Uh, Joe is the host or will be the host of a soon-to-be-available podcast, Cup of Joe, uh, where he will attempt to make people financially literate. In many episodes, Joe will choose a topic and try to explain it to me. Um, I'll ask as many questions as I can that many of us uh, – Many of us likely have, and hopefully by the end, we will be a little bit better informed. Um, Joe, thanks for being a guest on Clearing the Way. Buddy, man, that, thank you for that intro, and uh, super excited to join you, and been enjoying the episodes myself. I think you've had some awesome guests so far, and hopefully we can cover some cool stuff today. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll get something good. Yeah. So uh, let's get right into it. Today... The topic, like I mentioned, financial planning. Um, small business owners, I feel like that's a, an area that can be easily overlooked um, as you're starting out. You know, you've got this great idea, you make a banging cookie or you are fantastic at patios or whatever, the, whatever it is that you do. Uh, but the financial side, that can be a little bit challenging. So to start... When we or when you're talking to people about financial planning, what um, what do you – let's start with what do you actually mean by that? What do we, what do we mean? And then we can go into some of the, some of the questions, but yeah. um, let's start there. Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, when we talk about financial planning, right, those of us that yeah, do comprehensive financial planning, right, those that are CFPs or those that write financial plans, we really try to build a – a full plan around all the main components of finance, right? Starting with cash reserve and then your protection planning and making sure you have the right legal documents. And then, okay, if we're uh, budgeting right and we have our bases covered, how do we do goal planning like retirement or these bigger goals? So our, and as the profession has grown over the decades, we've become more, I could, I'm specialized. So some of us specialize in working with small business owners, some of us specialize in working with charities, et cetera. So okay. helping figure out like what is our foundation for wealth building and then what are we really trying to accomplish here? So it's, you know, the profession has really come a long way and it's been cool to see that. But that's kind of what we mean when we say like financial planning. Okay. But there's, it's a very yeah, broad Yeah, that covers topic. a lot. 
ton. Yeah, a ton. That covers a lot. Um, okay. Okay. So we know what we're talking about now. Fantastic place to start. It's, yeah. Um, okay. So so I am considering starting. Let's start. Uh, I thought I thought a good way to, to kind of approach this would be work through almost like a timeline um, and see how things change as we're in different phases of business. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, I'm about to start out. Um, are there are, are there are there anything in particular that I should be aware of? Um, is there is there something in, like splitting? Should I be splitting my personal expenses and my business expenses? Is that something that needs to happen or mm-hmm. should happen or is suggested? Or also, before we get too far into this, um, it is important to note that um, while Joe is a financial advisor. Um, none of this is all, we're all speaking generally here. I clearly know nothing. So my advice is not advice. I'm just asking questions. Joe's advice is also not advice. It is just, um, generalized. We're speaking in generalities here, but, but for that, we'll, if anybody has questions, we'll get them to the right resources. And I think for the point of our conversation today is to kind of break down some of these barriers. I think a lot of folks, especially when you start a business and you're saying, hey, I'm out here doing this thing, they get afraid to ask. And a lot of us are starting from a place, I mean, I don't want to generalize, but I mean, a lot of folks are starting from a place of not having a ton of fiscal literacy in the first place. So, you know, right. And you went to Trinity, I went to McGuffey, like respect all those great school districts, but there's not a big opportunity for them to teach. And our teachers stretch hard in this county to teach finance, but it's difficult to yeah. embody good financial practices. And then when you get into business, you add a, another layer of complexity on it where you have these taxes that you need to pay to Uncle Sam and this payroll thing. And, oh, there's uh, the city. I, I owe them taxes as well. So there's all yeah. the, another layer of complexity on it where if you're not – and I think that might be a good place to start, Brad, is when, yeah. when I see people, whether they're – you know, hey, I'm starting this business from the ground up. I'm trying to pick up a side hustle just to supplement my income, or I'm just pursuing my passion and I need to formalize it into a business for, you know, whatever reason. They you try to start as in a solid, personal, well-off financial position as you can. And what I mean by that is adequate and well-placed cash reserves, right? So first first foundation of financial planning is your cash reserve. So think of it this way. If you're operating with a single income, whether it's like, hey, it's a a two-person family unit and one person works, well, you need about six months because you're relying on just that job. Mm -hmm. If you're on a double income or an income and a half, right, you're dealing, you can go three months of your expenses, but let's say you're taking this new risk on of starting a business. Hey, hey, I'm going to have less hours at work to put more into the cookie business we're Mm -hmm. talking about. So I'm taking that risk. Therefore, we may want to have a larger than normal personal cash reserve to start this business venture, which we're all excited to start or get your idea off the ground, right? But as long as you're on good fiscal footing, you will be better off to let the business do what it needs to do where we don't want you to have a, a personal situation where you need cash and need to go take more yeah. out of the business before it's ready. On that same foot, having an appropriate cash reserve for a business. We see a ton of businesses, and I think with Laura and the folks at Ignite and Max, like they harp, hey, have appropriate reserves before you pull the, yeah. pull the cord because once you're out, 
once you're out in the in the work environment, I mean, once your business is open, it's hard to like stop it, start it, stop it, start yeah. it. So well, so okay, so let's say we're in a situation where we don't have that though. Mm. How can we? How can we set ourselves up to um, either start building that while we're um, Let's say, okay, let's actually take my situation. You get laid off from your job and now you're starting your own thing. How do you, um, how can you prepare yourself or, or take advantage of that circumstance um, and not, uh, not fall behind or, or, or still be building that reserve so that in those, those right. difficulties, um, you have something to fall back on. Absolutely. So it's just, and you were a football star. We all know you were a football star back That's in the true. day. Yeah, it's very true. So when you, okay, if you don't set out that goal of, hey, we're, this is our goal, you don't know what you're shooting for. But I think a lot of business owners, individuals, all of us, like we, just, we don't have that ingrained, like, hey, this is my base level cash reserve where it should be at. And just by setting that goal and being like, we, hey, man, we need X thousand, 15,000, 20,000, 5,000, 1,000, mm-hmm. and just saying we need that in the bank and that's going to be our main focus to get toward that. And when that is a goal, as well as maybe debt reduction, maybe what have you. But also I think with being realistic with your cash flow expectations, right? Like if you – and if you do get forced into business – in the sense that you're saying like, hey, yeah. I, this is the best opportunity for me to start this thing. This is the time to do it. Mm-hmm. That's great. Just be realistic with what you're doing and yeah. know that that goal is in mind because you won't you won't truly be stable until you have reserves and or, and I don't want, you know, be, be use debt as it's appropriate, but lines of credit, if you're a business, yeah. if that's like some businesses, it's better for them to have a line of credit just because of their business flow mm-hmm. or however it works for them. But I, I hear what you're saying, but knowing that a goal is a cash reserve. And so yeah, that is, that is so a big one. how should we, um, how should we try to come up with, like, let's actually even take a step further into that. How do I know what – like how should I look at what I actually need to have on mm-hmm. in that cash reserve? Should I be um, – you know, do I just look at all my bills that, mm-hmm. for each month and then kind of add that up? Like how should I be approaching right. that? Right. So it's expenses, right? So if say – and let's deal with like a, a personal situation, right? Something we can all – we all have, right? I have – this is my housing costs, my food costs, my debt service, mm-hmm. you know, paying off my bills if I have those, my utilities, my extras, and let's be realistic with those extras because a lot of us look at what you spent over the past few months yeah. to see what you really spend on X, Y, and Z. So knowing what my normal outflow is allows me to be like, okay, what is three months? If it's 5000 then mm-hmm. it's fifteen, and then I can set from there. Now, when we transition over to the business side of it, like a business reserve, that's a little bit different, right? Because payroll flows are different. Your seasonal flow may be mm-hmm. different. Your contract flow may be different. So that's where a contractor is different than, you know, a grocery store is different than that. So we, that's where you can get into a lot of business planning around like that with their, and that's more like business finance and their taxes and yeah. talking with their CPAs. I think work with good counsel is also appropriate. So have a good CPA when you start out, have a good attorney to help you draft your legal documents, your LLC, et cetera. Have a financial planner, right? If you need a counselor. But I mean, we're going to be coming in more on the coaching side in the beginning of a business getting Mm -hmm. started. And then when there's 
excess wealth helping you invest it the right way and get to those longer term well, goals. So but, when you're starting out though, like are there ways to handle those things without having to use somebody else? Right. Like are there tools that I can use or are there um I'm just imagining like if I'm starting Right, you might not need got, all that right now. Well, I might not need everything and also I don't it might be difficult to figure out who I need to talk to, mm. what I actually am looking for, but like are there anything anything that I should be um any anything that I should be keeping track of or anything that I should be doing that I can do on my own yeah. that I don't need outside assistance for. You definitely want to start tracking like the expenses of the business and you had uh, brought up, you know, when do I separate Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, if you're going to have a side venture, it is always a good idea, I would say, to keep that separately just so it's easier to track and differentiate yeah. it, or to prove, right? Yeah. So down the road, if you ever need to validate these expenses to somebody for – Looks like we might need to soon. Yeah. So you got know. some new agents in the in the government. Well, so. I mean, hey, that's that's <laughs> our – that is the way we make money in this country is yeah, by collecting so. taxes. So, but I, but, I, but I digress on that. It's more – Knowing that you will owe these things, right? Yes. And and I think that it's the bill is coming. Well, if you're going to make income, be realistic with what taxes. And I yeah. think the surprise to a lot of folks, and I think we could have some CPA. You could have some CPAs to talk mm-hmm. about this more in depth. But if you're self-employed, you're now paying both sides of these taxes. Yeah. So you're paying the employer side and your side for Social Security, Medicare, all that. So understanding that flow. Now, your first couple, your first year, like you, you haven't proved it, you still owe it. Yeah. But once you've made income, there are, you're, you're obligated to pay with what you assume you're going to make. So if you're making some level of money, that accountant will be worth their weight telling you, here's your quarterly estimates and here's what you pay every quarter. So you're safe harbored into that and yeah. all that. But that might be a little bit further. And, and this is the thing, you know, I don't know what level people are starting their business off. So we keep yeah. it broad, but just know that, you know, taxes will be due. Yeah. <laughs> you probably know, will need to be insured to some degree. Yeah. <laughs> you probably will need to be uh, incorporated into some sort of entity, whether that's a S corp, C corp, LLC, et cetera, sole proprietorship. Like by default, you're a sole prop. So, yeah, you know, but if you have assets or you have anything that you may not want liable with whatever this business might be, but depending on your business, yeah, I, you know, if you're dropping trees, you might want to be your <laughs> yeah, your assets yeah. separate because you know, oopsie, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you know, get the proper training first before you get dropping trees. But anyway, yeah. Um, well, and there's also like I know QuickBooks if you're using mm-hmm. that or like something like some similar 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 mm-hmm. tool. I know they have a way to – like they'll tell you what your estimated taxes are and some things like that. A lot that. of the so, softwares are pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so a, as long as you're tracking everything in there, which I mean mm-hmm. I know a lot of those make it super simple where mm-hmm. – I mean if you want to, you can just link everything associated with the business and set rules and mm-hmm. it will automatically throw things into expenses or, or whatever. Um, so some of those types of things can be helpful. If you're not using somebody else, but eventually you're likely going to need some help. But Well, maybe we touch on that too. So I think that it's worth it, especially for in – I mean, in, in areas where, like where we're at in, in a smaller sub-regional community, it's worth it just to go interview somebody 
your age in the field if you can find them, right? Go find that CPA that's Mm -hmm. around your age. And even if it's like, hey, it might not be the right fit right now, they might coach you up a little bit and say, hey, here's when you come back to me because they want good new clients that have good successful businesses and have a vested interest in helping to some degree. And if you don't fit from a personality standpoint, cool. Like, hey, I just know that, you know, so don't feel like it's going to, you're going to get a huge bill to go in. You're fine to ask like, hey, what would a consultation cost me? If I send you my tax return, what would it, you know, what would it be for you to give me an opinion? And they might give you a free opinion and some ideas. And that's a way to like see if we're a fit because you you will need counsel down the road. And you need to trust these people because like they're handling parts of your business. Yeah. And the longer you go, I feel like the more complicated your situation becomes. Yeah. It's a professional service intimidation thing. And I don't know. It's not people. Well, I'm saying from trying to do it yourself. Oh, yeah. So like. It, like sure, you can probably do it for the first couple years, but the the larger your company grows, once you start adding people and yeah. you've got all, all of these things going on, it's probably going to become difficult, um, difficult to handle on your own. Can mm-hmm. you do it? Maybe, probably. Um, and can you change your own brakes? And you just make that de- yeah. determination. Like, and if you love changing brakes and that's worth your time, awesome. But, yeah, you know. But um, and and I mean that's with everything these days. Yeah. You know? uh, okay, so. Um, so we know we should be splitting our, our expenses. We should be splitting income, all of those things. And we've also figured out that, um, I need to have my cash reserve personally, but also on the business side. So, and I think we may have breezed over this, but basically for those, we're figuring out what our expenses are and we are. You said three, six months, depending on your situation. And businesses, longer I mean, the better, businesses but, might have an extra. I mean, it's just that where yeah. you can really differentiate because some businesses, three or four months would be great. Sorry, we keep tapping the table. But, uh, but uh, with some businesses, it might be a year because they're, they get all their money right at Christmas. And okay. so they might need a larger cash reserve or some businesses might need a two or three year cash reserve because their economics are in that level of wave. Hmm. So and okay. then and then when you, you know, so it can get pretty. Broad so and deep with all so that. when you're looking at it from the business side, should you be like, I guess you would need to know how to project what you're going to be making. And that's when you're getting into like longer term tax projections and Man, that's so difficult at the beginning then. Right. Like if you're just starting, how in the world do you even handle I mean, I guess you can start don't small. Have any. A lot don't well, have any and that's where they Well, run so that's into what trouble. we're trying to fix though. Right. That's what we're trying to help. So um so I guess maybe it's like, okay, I've been in business for three months. Now use that to project. And then I've been in, you know, like the longer you're going, the the more accurate your predictions can or projections can become. But absolutely, um, I know that I'm really slow during Christmas time. So, yeah. but if know, I'm starting, I might not know that. Right, but that and that's where like some forethought might be. Yeah. So my goal for my cash reserve should be nine months or four months or whatever you decide. Because here's how I think this business flow is going to go. Mm-hmm. Right. Just adapt. You got to be able to adapt, though. And the more data we get, the longer we do this, the better we get at it. Mm-hmm. But you're starting off on the right foot knowing I should keep some on the side for yeah. paying quarterlies and all that fun stuff that's going to come. So. Yeah. OK. Um, OK. So we've got we've got some of the some of that stuff handled. And you're making tons of money now and it's like going really great. Sure. Maybe not yet, but we're getting there. 
So we've got a reserve now. How should we be thinking about, even early on, well, I guess the first question is, should we be thinking about it early on? And then how does this change? But for retirement and 401k stuff, is, should that even be a focus at the beginning? Well, th- again, I think that goes to what is your business? What can you afford and what do you find valuable? So if you think about it, Brad, like there's and – and it's no one answer or the other. Yeah. But there's multiple reasons why employers put, put in retirement plans, right? for themselves, right? I want to retire someday and the government gives me a benefit to put money into these retirement vehicles, IRAs, 401ks, SEP, simples, et cetera. And I get that tax deferment. I don't have to pay taxes on it this year. I get to pay it down the road. Hopefully tax rates will be lower and I can mm-hmm. let that money grow, et cetera. Right. Um, if you want to check out, and now I, ha- now we have to do the cup of joke because you said it and now like we have to bring it out. So we'll have one on IRAs and all the fun I think we recorded one, except I had no idea what we were talking about, so we have to do an intro to the intro. I appreciate so. it. I appreciate, I appreciate <laughs> so. it, Brad. You're uh, you helping me with that. But so now, what is the reason for it? Is it like, and maybe the the reasons change over time? Like, hey, when it was just me running my business or my business, you know, we were running the business. It's for me to put money away for retirement. But now that we have ten employees, I need a retention tool. I need an incentive, and then. As the size of the businesses change, what vehicle you use, and like you said, well, can I do this on my own? Is there, you know, a, mm-hmm. a cheaper or more cost-effective tool for this? So let's walk through that. So when people think about retirement planning, they're normally talking about IRAs, right? Retirement and individual retirement accounts. Now, there's a ton in the tax code about these things and all the variants of them, but they break down into two sides. If I take the regular IRA, it's a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. That traditional IRA is going to be after tax or pre-tax. So you're you're putting after or pre-tax money into there. I'm not going to have to count that money on my tax return. Many people's 401ks go in this way. So like you don't pay that federal income tax or that state tax mm-hmm. on that money. When I pull it out, I will have to pay that and potentially a penalty if I take it out early, right? The Roth IRA, it's money that's already been taxed. I put money in there. It defers. You don't get a 1099 every year, just like you don't get a 1099 for your, mm-hmm. you know, for interest and dividends, right? You get that little check for the two cents in interest you made on your savings account. Yeah, oh, yeah. And they spend 50 cents anyway. So we get that Roth, but then we pull the money out of the Roth. It's tax deferred, but it comes out tax free. So we got to make that decision of, well, do I need the tax deferment or not? And if I'm in a lower tax bracket, right, and say I'm just getting started, maybe this business is new, I may not need the tax deferment. So I can just start out with maybe a Roth because, well, it's going to be tax-free down the road. That's really beneficial, you know, and you can use a Roth for a first-time home purchase. You can get the principal out if you happen to run into an emergency, but we have good cash reserves, so we won't run into that. But you hear what I'm saying, you know. Now, after, and, you know, you can just open a Roth or a traditional IRA as long as you have earned income, you can put into it. And then you're not subject to the employer rules with some of the more complex plans like a simplified employer pension plan or a SEP or a simple IRA. And those are like for your small businesses, right? They, it's like if they took a 401k and necked it down to like 401k easy, right? Okay. Like that's what the SEP and the simple are. It's like, hey, I need... Something a little more complex than a traditional IRA because, you know, the, the contribution limits aren't that much at six grand. So 
you know, and seven if you're over 50. So that that doesn't work for a lot of people. Yeah. It's not – and it's difficult, like, for the employer to put percentage matches into that. The SEPs and the SIMPLES have, like, basic rules that are, like, here's two sets of rules that you can go by and get a deferment for the business. They're going to get to deduct that that money, you know, that they mm-hmm. put into there, get a deduction because they put it in. And then the employee gets to put in some of their salary. So it's an employee. But it's, like, more basic. Now, as a business gets even more complex and wants more features and, you know, needs more accounting, you have these 401K things. Well, so let's – before we get there. So my first question is do you help businesses set this – these kinds of things up? Part of our job is working with the businesses and the owners figuring out what is – what's best for us now for what we're trying to do. Okay. So then let's go a couple steps into, like you just covered a couple things there that we can do. So, and you touched on some reasons that maybe we are doing these seasons. At first, for me, I want to have something for retirement. But once I'm starting to add people, now it becomes kind of an incentive and an incentive for employees amongst other reasons. But when I'm starting to set those things up, that seems like something that I'm going to probably need assistance with. It seems a little bit more challenging to, to do. But what are some of the things to be thinking about? At what point should I be adding adding a, um, a 401k or the SEP or what was mm-hmm. the simple Right. Whatever those are. Right. I think I think once your cash reserve is at a reasonable level, you should always start because you know time is the thing that we can't get back in investing, mm-hmm. right? And dollar cost averaging, and I think we may have done one on that, but where we're putting in a little bit of money at a time, and that kind of evens out our cost. And think of it, Brad. If I have a cash reserve that's a little bit bigger than normal, if I what if I got a good opportunity on a on a cheap market. Like mm-hmm. right now, this market seems to be pretty cheap. It's it's down. And then that excess cash reserve is something that you could deploy in. But you hear what I mean? Yeah. So with that dollar cost averaging, putting a little bit in to e- average out our price over time, those type of strategies help us build that. And then as soon as you can start that systematic savings, you're building the habit of getting it in there. And it really does, the longer time you give your money to compound, the more you you get so once i've got that cash reserve we keep coming back to this but if it's, it keeps coming up so um should you keep adding to those things good question so cash reserve should be reflective of your budget right so as in, in a year like this okay what happened to my budget did inflation drive most of our budgets up or down this is like the first time we've all for a lot of us experienced like a severe inf- yeah. inflation jump in one year so a lot of people's cash reserves change this year, right? And when we go back to the clients and say, hey, can you take a look at your budget? What's the budget? They're like, hey, your cash reserve should actually be a little higher, as well as if your cash reserve doesn't keep up with inflation, right? And what have checking accounts been paying the most of our adult lives? It's money markets, savings accounts, CD rates, right? We haven't seen anything like that since the early, and I'm old enough to now say this, but like the <laughs> middle 2000s, like 2006, 7, 8. So cash doesn't keep up with inflation. So you 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 more than likely will have to add to your okay. cash reserve continuously. So just continue to look at your expenses so that you know. It should be closely reflective. Yeah. Whatever I've determined is my, 
ideal cash, my and whatever I feel comfortable with as my cash reserve. And, and uh, hopefully as we see some higher I- interest rate environments here, right? Like if you're trying to get a mortgage, it's not so great now. But if you're trying to buy a CD or a treasury bond, it's a lot better now. So mm-hmm. we should see an environment where people can invest that cash reserve in something that's more fixed and guaranteed, hopefully to keep up with inflation. The system is sorting through some temper tantrums right now. So that's how I like to look at it. But okay. But so, that, does that make sense, right? Like, yeah. So you want we to need keep to up. continue to examine if your expenses change, your reserves right. should change, whether up or down. Totally. Um, but, you know, whatever you feel comfortable with as your reserve, whether that's three months, a year, three years, whatever you deem is perfect you for you. You and your counselors decide is appropriate. Um, yeah. <laughs> adjust that based on your expenses. Okay, so now we are starting to get into these the 401ks and all right. of that stuff. So before I when I'm starting to do that, what are how do I prepare for that? Like is there anything special that I need to do obviously generally speaking like yeah, to prepare I, for that? I think figuring out like what in your as your business grows, right? What are what are we? What are we? What are our needs and wants now? What is the purpose of this? Is this just so I, the owner of this business, may one day be able to not have to do this? Right? We all mm-hmm. get into business for different reasons. A lot of us, it's so we can like retire someday, right? <laughs> like, hey, right? Like we want to, yeah, you know, and we want to do something we like doing. Yeah. So that if that's it, that's great, and you can maximize, you know, maximize your dollars spent toward that goal, right? If your goal is to get as much in for the you know the owner of the company that that's fine a lot of business owners that is their number mm-hmm. one thing because perhaps their workforce it it doesn't it's not important to them now we would hope that everybody wants that to be important to the people that work for them right like yeah i mean dignity in retirement is something that i think we all you know have a right to to some degree and and all that but i you know some employers they say like look i it's myself and one person and they don't care or what have yeah. you. So I don't know. I don't want to tell the employer what their goal is. But yeah. for many of them, it's like I want to bring the dignity of a financially stable retirement to my employees that I care so much about. And yeah. they're and they're like, I want to pay to I want to put money into this for them and I want to make sure that they're getting the coaching that they need. And that's really where we would come in and then help coach these employees to whatever degree is is reasonable and say like, okay. Here's the plan. Here's how this th- savings thing works. But trying to educate them as to Social Security, Medicare, how all these different components work. Because remember, Brad, like there was a big change before we got here in the 70s. People had pensions. It was always a three-legged stool. You get Social Security, a pension, and your personal savings. Well, in Appalachia in the 70s or, you know, and everywhere else, like these pensions kind of went away. Now, yeah. you can still find pensions. You government work or yeah. certain sectors, but they're not as prevalent, yeah. right? What replaced pensions is a way bigger personal savings bucket, right? Where personal savings, people would pick up some Coca-Cola stock or some Ford or whatever. And, yeah. you know, grandma and grandpa would always have a couple stocks on the side. Not so much now. Like since the 70s, we have had that burden put on us. And now we as the American, you know, worker have to have to fund our own retirement. So we have a vested interest in this. And the employers have vested interest in, you know, putting some money in there for them. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so we covered covered a couple of these things. Um, are there – okay, this is kind of an interesting topic. Kind of change – well, before we leave 
like the retirement stuff, mm-hmm. is there anything else that you think is important to th- be considering when you're either s- – maybe not starting because I feel like we we kind of covered that. Um, but as you're beginning to scale your business, how should you – is there anything else that we should be thinking out about with, with these different retirement plans, um, whether th- for us or for our employees? I, I think it's just including everybody in the conversation, right? So if we're all on the same page, right, I oftentimes see employers that will – They'll do something exceptional for their workforce, but they don't communicate it in the right way, so it doesn't look like a benefit. Mm. And and okay. or and or if you're going, you know, whatever you're you're doing, just make sure that everybody's on the same page with that because it just adds transparency and it gets a better result. And if you do care about these people, just and I would just say, not my gripe, but to the business owners out there, if you have a a professional that cares enough to spend some time with your employees, giving them coaching, financial coaching, and bringing resources to them, give them appropriate time to like work with them. Because oftentimes it's like, and not that an OSHA training are very important. We want to keep everybody safe. I get, and you know, you just want to have enough time with these people to to make a difference. But it's, but it's also, it's whatever time you can get in front of people. Great. Yeah. I feel like, that has been an area uh, – it's been the same with – I had one good experience with the health insurance side, like mm-hmm. choosing out with an employer. But everything else is just like here's what you get. Figure it out. Here's this thick packet. That's it. Oh, wait, but I don't know any <laughs> – what do you mean that's it? What am I doing? What is this that you're giving me? The um, responsibility of your own retirement because we don't have these things anymore. And here yeah. you go. This is on you now. Yeah. And for that, like, if you think about it, man, and for those that are kind of like, what do you even mean retirement savings? Retirement's a million years away. I don't even care about this. Here's the rule of thumb, right? We'll get our Social Security somewhere between 62 and 70, whether you want it or not, if you're working and you're paying in, Yeah. right? At some point, the goal is shave out 4 maybe 5% from your portfolio and live on that, depending on how much in taxes and all that. So if it's like the goal is to get, I don't know, a million bucks. Let's say we get a million bucks saved. I shave out 50 grand. I take the taxes off of that, and that supplements myself and my Social Security. Right? That's the goal. Yeah. And then Social Security may or may not keep up with inflation. They did this year to some degree. They made it, gave it a pretty big jump, but we had really high inflation this year. Yeah. But the goal is to keep those assets alive so they can keep paying you as things get more expensive over the course of your life. Now, good for us. We're living less than our older peers, but that, that'll, you know, our life expectancies are the yeah. first ones to drop back. You saw that? I don't know. So I didn't that, that helps it, our retirement plans technically. So it's cool. Yeah. Nice. So we're good. Yeah. Nice. Does that, does that help me? Yeah. Like, you yeah. get where I'm going with it? Okay, cool. Um, okay. So let's take a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a, a little pivot here. So um, thinking about, well, planning for scaling mm-hmm. financially. So we've got our cash reserves now. We have a couple employees and we've got some type of retirement plan set up for everybody. Fantastic. But now we're looking to kind of take another big jump in business. How can we how like how can we manage that? How do we manage that? How should we be thinking about our our money? Where do we pull money from? Ah, so where's it coming from? I mean, and 
this is something to, that where you would kind of start by this point, hopefully forming that team of consultants around you, right? Yeah. And who are the people that a business owner needs to have in their pocket or in their in their corner? Your insurance professional, right? Your business will more than likely need some level of corporate insurance, and you better have it right because you don't want it to be wrong when something goes haywire. Mm-hmm. So you have that insurance person, you have your tax person, you have a legal person, right, for all, all the LLC filings or hopefully not yeah. other stuff, but your contracts, et cetera. Yeah. Um, maybe you have a financial person like myself helping you administer your SEP plan, we'll say, you know, and, you know, giving you some coaching and getting you sorted out. Um, who else do we need? Um, what we say? Insurance. We got accounting. We have legal. We have finance. Um, and a banker. You need a business banker. And that's where, well, is it better for us to have a line of credit? Are we having a collateralized loan on our building? Or we maybe don't want that? I mean, that's where you can work with your team. Okay. Because f- there may be tax advantages in one way over the other. And that's where you're coordinating between these different folks to say, like, what's the best way for us to operate? Because every business is different. And it, you know, it's like, well, we don't want to operate off a line of credit for some. That is, like, perfect. You know, and they yeah. have a good rate at the local credit union or banking institution or savings alone. And, you know, we have a lot of good sub-regional, you know, lending around here. We still have a ton of credit unions, a ton of savings yeah. and loans that are still active. So, I mean, poke around. There's there's good stuff. But anyway, so okay. that's like your suite of folks. And then you would work with them, I would say, to be like, how how do we work through this expansion? Do we need to finance it? What lines of credit or debts are we taking yeah. out? Or are we just simply putting aside X dollars for X years to do that? If we need to do that, how do we? Well, and I think some of that can be learned if like it kind of comes back to know what your goal. Like you've got to figure out what your goals are. We're going to expand goals, by 40% this year. Yeah. For that, we're going to need another warehouse. Yeah. Or yeah. I mean even like even if you know, okay, five years – like this is where I want this thing to be. Okay, I can start kind of preparing for those things, um, but if I don't know what I don't if I don't know where I'm going, like, how do you plan when you don't know where you're going? Well, that's <laughs> like, why we have you to help clear the way. Yeah, well, well that's hopefully what we're doing. I here, mean, but, that's what's up. Yeah. Um, okay, okay. So you got to figure out what you're trying to do. That will kind of guide you. But if if something comes up where it's it's a little bit of a quicker um, or or a you know, a quicker opportunity, um, something that you weren't, you weren't planning for, then you've got your team, you've got your team at this point to, to be able to tackle that, um, or provide more specialized guidance in the, in these areas. And in that, in that building of those folks that you're confident and that they're capable, capable, right? You're understanding. And, and here's the thing, don't be, don't have a professional you're working for, you're afraid to call. If I'm afraid to call you because of either a bill I'm going to receive or something like that, it might not be the right, Yeah. you know, right? So I want a professional team that I am – and I don't want to blow people up, right? Like I call well, you when I need you. Yeah. But it's, hey, like I feel confident in ca- you know, that I can be like, hey, man, yeah, we need to – what do you think about this? How, do, how should we do this? And then, you know, right? And yeah. So I, okay. I, that that – because with the business, like it's fluid. It's very fluid with what is right for each business and the changing yeah. world and the products that are on the market, et cetera, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. That's good. Uh, let's see here. Um, we covered what can be done. Okay. So 
we 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 kind of talked about man i don't know what that sound was that was wild um i'm sure that came through sorry guys um okay so we started to we briefly covered some of the different things that we should be tracking um but uh, some of those things can feel a little bit overwhelming um Maybe not, but in, in a lot of things like QuickBooks might have some of these some of these things. Like they might track a lot of a lot of your cash flow or whatever. Um, in your opinion, are there like a list of things that I should be definitely keeping track of that are going to make life easier in the future? Or um, I'll kind of leave it at that, and then we'll kind of dive into that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, any expenditure with that business that you're having, right? I mean, a lot of people aren't thinking about the softwares that they're, you know, using for business. Now, you may split your subscriptions or something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're doing charitable giving, which you may or may not be doing, or if you're giving some way of your time, like, keep track of that. But, like, keep more than less because if you're yeah. hopefully working with somebody, you can be like, hey, are these some things? Um, ones that I commonly see, and this would probably be like better for your CPA when they're on, mm-hmm. but I mean, uh, figuring out it, like your mileage, right? A lot of people don't think to track mileage and whether you're going to use yeah. this calculation or that calculation. Just keeping a good calendar of what you did when you did it will help you coordinate your taxes after the first like after the first couple of years. Now okay. hopefully you have some level of training or somebody to help you to keep like real accounting from day one, right? If you do it from the beginning, yeah. it's a lot easier. You don't have to like go back and redo yeah. everything. But I see a lot of time like what you do not let's say what you do not want to do is be walking into the accountant's office sometime in, you know, early to mid April. <laughs> With a shoe or shoebox or briefcase full of or all of the paper bags, right? You come into their office with a paper bag, like you're in trouble. And I and I grew up. My family were tax people over here in Washington, so like I'm very familiar with how tax office runs. So it's, you know, it's hard to get attention when you're coming in while the house is on fire. Yeah. So being ahead of the curve, keeping some level of accounting from the day one, even if it's just here is my expenses and here is my income. Simple as that. But, like, I'm sure you're running a calendar of some sort. Even just putting in your calendar, like, hey, it was 15 miles to yeah. this thing. Well, I know – I'll plug QuickBooks again. Their app can – it does a lot of the time tracking. Now, if you're using that, beware. It sucks your battery because um, it is just, like, constantly on. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it, I mean, it's super annoying. I ended up turning it off, and now I don't track it. But but it um, has the feel but, for mileage, for this, yeah. for that, like, every yeah. – because it's so, a tax yeah, you software. Yeah, you can manually put it in, or it will automatically track it, which is fantastic. But, again, and creepy. it will – And it's right. super creepy. Right, but, Super you know, convenient. But convenience at all costs. Destroys your battery. Yeah. So, so – um, we can do so, but yeah, I mean, those are some, those are some things. A lot of people forget that and then they got to go back through their whole calendar yeah. and recalculate their miles. But, you know, I'm dealing more on the, on the finance side, but I can't yeah. speak yeah. briefly on the tax stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. So we've covered a lot of the, a lot of the basics. Um, there was one question that came through hmm. on Instagram, um, from Jeff Ooh. And Jeff was interested. Again, this is all 
generalized statements here. Totally. Um, during uh, turbulent times, what should we be investing in? Stocks, real estate, Ooh. other things? What? What's? Where should we be looking? I love this question. I love this question. Well, anything on sale is always good, right? So we know, <laughs> and just like we were talking about, if I know what I inevitably want to own, right, then I can kind of go get it. Well, what's on sale right now? If I'm a dollar cost averaging person, I'm putting that $100 or whatever into my 401k every month and my employer's dropping a you know, 25 bucks because they're super nice in there as well. We're buying shares, but we're buying them now when they're at a lower price. Now, what I would say to your buddy Jeff, and where the real opportunity I think in lies is taking a look at some of where the cross opportunity is. So yes, the financial markets are volatile right now. They're what, 20, 15, 20% off of our peak since the, the end of the year, <laughs> right? So like we're in between contraction and recession, more than likely, you know, we might've trickled into a recession here or there. World's dealing with a whole lot of temper tantrums and mm -hmm. different stuff and COVID and all this, you know, fun stuff, right? Yeah. The economies of the world will inevitably go through contractions and recessions. That is just since the since we made markets with the Dutch, that's how the thing rolls. Now, is globalization changed this game? All that, sure. But like if we're accepting that ebbs and flows are inevitable, where is our cross opportunity, right? So this year, a couple of the things we have been considering. Now, remember, everybody's situation is different. Talk to your counselors before you do anything, et cetera, et cetera. But we have the remainder two years of Tax Cuts Job Act. We have inherently lower federal income tax rates this year. Many IRA owners have some security in their portfolio that's a little bit down or a lot of it down. Well, we have this tool called a Roth conversion. Now, everybody's tax bracket's different. You need to think about this very much and consult with all of your tax mm -hmm. and financial counselors. But let's say, Brad, you have five things in your IRA, right? You've been saving diligently. You didn't quite get to SEP yet, but you've been dropping your six grand in your IRA diligently for the past five years. Yeah. And now XYZ mutual fund or ETF is now down 30 40% because of this recession. That's not fun, right? So No, no, it's not fun. But with these IRAs, remember, it's not a Roth. We still owe taxes on it at some point. Well, couldn't you pay the taxes on that? You can convert it. So I can pay the taxes on that item that's down. It will now change into the Roth IRA. And then what? would I want to sell it once it gets there? Mm -mm. I just want to hold it because it's down. But now I just paid the tab on it while it's down. So you can do, we, you know, I'm working on a name for this, technical Roth conversion or targeted Roth conversion mm -hmm. where you're you, – if you understand like inevitably I'm going to owe taxes on this thing, is it cheaper now to pay them at this time? Well, yeah, there's a couple feathers in our cap. But that's where we as professionals I think really lend a lot of value because we, we see the entire environment from tax, legal, investment, market, all these different, you know, things that – I hope that everybody kind of keeps track of some of yeah. this stuff, but let's be real. Like we live in this world, right? Yep. So application of the tax code to your finances or application of the estate code or or where are these opportunities? Is it better to be dropping money in or, you know, so I would say to your buddy Jeff, like is it is it almost better instead of dropping money in? Maybe you should be paying taxes right now, which I know nobody loves to hear. Nobody hmm. likes paying more taxes, but every situation is different. Yeah. And – taking a good clean look at like where are my opportunities where am I trying to go 
But that's like I said, man, that's really where CPAs, financial planners, all that, like we really lend all, most of our value with the practical application part and like, hey, right now, here's your opportunity. So, okay. but like I said, right, we're talking in generalities. Yeah. Please don't, you know, we're, go talk to your people before yeah. you think about research. any of the things. <laughs> but that's certainly something to consider. So look for the opportunities on the other side. Okay. Um, okay. Two things that came up during that. Um, this has come up a couple times, this dollar cost average thing. Can you mm-hmm. explain that a little bit? Yeah. So if I if I want to buy anything over a long enough period of time, I want to manage the pricing that I pay for that thing, right? If I know I'm going to buy this thing. Can you can speak in an terms a, of an example? Like in an investment example or do you want to do like something else? trying to think of a good analogy for it okay Ooh. i'm gonna i'm going to buy food okay okay every every week for the rest of my life okay okay seems like a good decision right some of that food ha- can stay on a shelf right so if i could manage the price at which i buy that food that has some shelf life i can help my average cost that i pay over time if okay. i'm like just i don't want to buy it when it's five dollars a can i want to buy it when it's Two to three dollars a can, and I may buy more during that time. Right now, with the way we talk about dollar cost averaging, is I'm gonna buy a hundred dollars worth of shares every month when I put money in my 401k, and I'm gonna buy a little bit of large cap, small cap, whatever you have bought within that mm-hmm. plan, you know, mutual fund, ETF, stock, whatever you buy within your thing. Over time, sometimes it's gonna be down, and sometimes it's gonna be up. But the idea is that over time, I'm getting an average price for that security because, well, the same amount of time it was down, it was up, so I bought it. Yeah. Can we can we take that a level further where we dollar cost average, but say you're looking to do additional savings like you were saying, like, well, we're doing well with the business now. Everybody's happy with the retirement plan. Everybody's putting money in and they're contributing to their own retirement. I have some extra money piling up in my cash reserve that like I just it's a lot and yeah. I need to, I want to do something in addition but I've already max funded all of my normal retirement vehicles IRAs and Roths and 401k's and the traditional vehicles. You can always have what are called brokerage accounts, non-qualified accounts if you have a somebody like a like a spouse you would normally do a joint account and then those get taxed where it's like interest and dividends. So like you get a 1099 and, you know, the interest dividend thing and then capital gains if you sell or buy anything, you know. So now we're getting – but what don't we have to wait for? We don't have to wait to be 59 to get to that account. So that's – you could start drawing off of that anytime you would like. So that could in some cases be your early retirement account Mm -hmm. or just an additional investment account for something else you might want to do like a – rental property at some point or buying another business, buying your competitor out. I know you'll be buying all your competitors out soon. So it's like you're up and coming in this made up cookie business or whatever we're doing. So do you see what I mean? So like once you have cash and you've exhausted your opportunities for retirement vehicle savings, that's when people tend to look toward non-qualified retirement investment savings. Okay. But they're not retirement accounts. They're just investment accounts. So. Okay. Um, Okay, and then another thing that you that I don't think we actually talked about. Um, when should I be switching from a whatever I was doing to a SEP 
or something like that. Oh, how does right. how does that? So um, when yeah. you, when you talk with like you would talk with your counselor, and that would be when it's like, hey, what are we trying to do here? Right, like a SEP. There's it's it's not like a four hundred one k where it's like you may put this much in and you will give this much to the employees. Right, it's a little looser plan where the employer can put up to a certain percentage of income in, but they must do X for the employees. And then we would just kind of go through the different options with your employee base and see which plan is going to serve you the best now and that you can keep the longest because you don't want to go So is that that's them. more of a I have a goal in mind not a like are there any indicators that I should be doing that? Yeah, your employees are like, "Hey, are we going to get a retirement plan?" <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Okay. Cuz like sure you could do their you could pay them. I've had some employers just pay more and hope that the employees put it in their Roth. You know, it's like, yeah. "Hey, we just pay you an extra X thousand a year and we real we just gave everybody an X bonus." We don't want to worry about this. I'm not worried. I'm deducting your income anyway. Or, you know what yeah. I mean? So okay. it might, if it's easier, and some employers are like, I would, if you, if you, if it's better for you to pay debt off with that, I want you to do that. And some employers, like, they talk to us about that, where they're like, hey, if, if that's better for that employee, fine. Yeah, okay. And that gets complicated, right? Because it's almost bound into the salary and then you got to pick and choose and it's hard to like systematize that and be fair to everybody. So, you know, you really just want to think about like your business and what's going to work best for you and the employees. And, okay. and there's just a ton of options. out So there. really the indicator is just, I've done all the steps up to this point and now I need to be including others and it, maybe it's time for that. Like have a conversation with yeah. your employees. Be like, do you guys well, think that we should have a retirement plan? Here? And this also goes back to the, um, having good relationships with your consultant team or counseling team, whatever that looks like. You know, another indicator, and maybe my CPA buddies would uh, say this, like the first time that you look at your tax, like what you're going to pay, and you're like, what? And then they go, well, there's this thing you can do called income deferment through okay. retirement savings. And you're going to go, I don't know what that is, but let's do that. <laughs> yeah, and they're okay. like, well, okay. you're going to send <laughs> – your financial advisor okay. a check for X, and they're going to put it in your IRA, and that's what's going to get defer X income for you. We get a lot of those calls around tax time. But, okay. I mean, hopefully not. I mean, most yeah. of our folks are well-trained. But you, you get what I mean? Like, yeah. You're going to eventually want to defer that income. Okay. So like, that is another use of that. I'm making too much now. Yeah. I don't like this. This is uncomfortable. Let's defer uh, yeah. some income. Yeah defer till later. Okay. And do you see, so let's not go too deep with this, but like, let's think, yeah. right? What have we learned from the greatest generation and the baby boom, the older baby boomers, right? Required distributions from IRAs get to be a problem down the road sometimes. If you just let your, if you save adequately, right? The, eventually at 72, the IRAs, they force you to take some money out and it starts small, but that percentage goes up and up. And up. So if all of your money is saved within that IRA bucket, you may be, and I don't, I don't like, it's a little inflammatory, but I call it the IRA bomb, where like all of my retirement savings is in traditional IRAs or, you know, mm -hmm. pre-tax. So now if I hit 72 and those required distributions are higher than I need, I'm being forced to take more income out. And sometimes it gets big, right? And so I've had some 80-something okay. year olds that Hey, I'm really sorry, but we got to take all this money out of your IRA. <laughs> and they're like, "What do you mean?" And I'm like, I, "You know, you have a lot of money in the yeah. IRA, and you started saving in the '70s. So you just 
the taxation needs to be something that you're cognizant of because, yes, it is good to defer money and save money. But how and when that money is going to come out and benefit you is is another part of that. But, like, you know, just don't worry too much about it. But you hear well, what I'm saying. But I think, I think the thing that keeps coming back up is the – the way to plan for a lot of these things is just knowing what you're trying to do eventually. Yeah. So if I know that, like, this is my – I want to retire. I want to do these things. Well, cool. Let's plan for that. Like, yep. have the end in mind so that we can figure out, okay, when we get to this point, you're going to have all this money. If you make it to 90, you're going to have all this money because of the way we're doing this now. Mm-hmm. Let's adjust this a little bit. Mm-hmm. So – Figure out what you're trying to do, and then eventually you're going to probably need to talk to somebody. This stuff, I, maybe not. I feel like you could probably research a lot of this. Totally. This is an area that for me is just like I just don't have the patience for it. Some people do their own taxes, their yeah. breaks, their money. Yeah. Now, and remember, we are now living in a, a world of zero commission trades, right? It used to be yeah. paid a you know, anybody go on Schwab or E-Trade or any of these. It's free now. Mm-hmm. And right? So – what do you pay for? You're paying for advice, and yeah. and I and I I say that with a grain of salt. And I encourage anybody if you if you are driven to DIY it in anything, knock yourself out. Yeah. I'm a DIYer too, man. Right? Like, yeah. So I I hear that, but at least get an opinion from somebody that knows what they're doing because the last thing you want to do is hamstring yourself. Yeah. So like. Most most people give you a consultation for free, get an opinion or two if you're bound and determined. But I think that what we've covered, I think we'll. we'll Shed some light on, and I, I have a lot of people tell me that they're like, you don't know until you know what you're missing, and that's like, yeah, that's we live in the yeah. sandbox every single day. So you, you know, this is all we play around with every day. Yeah. So you, but that, hey, I mean, it's. Well, I think I think the biggest piece is planning and just that starting out phase, just making sure like it probably isn't something like the retirement side of things shouldn't be the first thing you're focused. If you're just starting and it's like you have no cash reserve, you got to get that shit figured out first. You got to build a good foundation. Yeah. Like any good business has a good foundation, right? Yeah. Because if, if I'm starting out and something bad happens and I've only been putting into retirement and <laughs> and I don't actually have a cash reserve, like, okay, now what? Now what do I do? Right. And, um, and, and restrictive, right? Like we are restricting our assets when we put them in retirement accounts to some degree because when can you access yeah. them, right? A lot of them is 59 and a half. So, you know, being being realistic with what you're putting into that stuff when you're putting into it, and it's okay if you can't do it all, right? And maybe you just want to diversify your savings, yeah. right? You need to fi- – and I think a lot of it is figuring out like, okay, uh, we have now made over X tax bracket. Are we comfortable with that tax bracket, right? Because we all know the tax brackets are like steps. Mm. Okay, we've trickled up into this one. Do we want to defer that amount of income off our top bracket and then maybe we do other savings or what have you? Like that's kind of – you know, you just want to be mm-hmm. cognizant of like what taxes am I paying? What is what what is going to advantage me the best here? And that's I think where, you know, working with the right people at the right time. But there's plenty of good people out there. So yeah. plenty of good people out there wanting to help you. And if you're involved in your stuff, right, if you're involved in your business and it's not just the shoebox – People want to help you more, right? They know yeah. that you're engaged in it. Well, you're not just treating them like, oh, yeah, do my thing. Yeah. Like um, yeah, so I think a, another another thing there would be 
to just make sure you're setting a, some like time aside to be doing those things. If you're not going to have people do it, don't put it off until the end. I can speak from experience here. Um, don't just put it off until the end. Um, set up some time, whether it's monthly or weekly or whatever that is. Obviously, the more frequently you do it, the less time it takes each time. But um, make sure that you're you're doing those things somewhat regularly so it doesn't come to the end of the year when you say, oh, shit. I'm going to be out for, the, ne- I'm gonna be, I'm gonna yeah. be out for the next three days I'm going to be taxes. out for the next three days, but also – Oh, look at this bill. Where did this come from? Right. And oh. I mean, do you want to be put in that situation? It's a- yeah, April, f- April 14th or 13th, and these people are rolling in with a bunch of bills. Like, come on. Like, yeah. is that the kind of client you want? You know, like yeah. that's, and not that, you know, I love my CPA folks and my accountant folks here. I mean, they'll all, everybody around here will help you out. Like, but it's, it's, you know, kind of knowing what you're asking for. Yeah. It's well, kind of like you said, like knowing, Knowing that these are the things, and I think this is where your podcast is lending a lot of help to folks is like, here are some things that you may not have even knew to ask about, yeah. you know, so that's, yeah. Um, yeah, and the, I guess you could say the same with the, any other retirement stuff. You don't want to get to that point where it's like, huh, maybe I should have been thinking about this like 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, like think about yeah. think about it and set that stuff up. Okay, so last thing for me. Yeah. Um. If I'm going to somebody to help me out with this stuff, mm-hmm. what should I be asking them? Mm. How do I know how to pick somebody to help me? Right. Um, well, I mean, that that's a great question. I think that can go with all these different types of professionals. Yeah. Um, certainly ask, like, how do you charge me and what do I get for that charge, mm-hmm. right? And being very clear with what your needs and expectations are. I think that what we talked about, people come in with a little bit more knowledge here about, like, Here's what I'm the type of coaching I'm looking for. Um, you may be able to vet those folks out preliminarily on their website or something, but I mean, let's be honest, a lot of our professional service websites all look the same, right? Like yeah. a lot of professional services. So having an honest, honest conversation, how accessible are they, right? If you can't get in to see that person, right? Do you want the doctor that it takes nine months to get in there, especially when you have an emergency? So um, asking some of the questions like, well, how much access do I get to you? What what types of clients like me do you work with? What for some of those things? What are the? Is there a standard? Like, I, if 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 this is my first time asking, what should I be expecting for that? Like, if somebody tells me like, oh yeah, you can call me like once a month, or like, no, I'm I'm here like kind of whenever. Or like, what should is there? Obviously, it's going to be different from service to service. But what are some? some norms that that we can maybe just so we're not we know that we're getting well a decent value or a um or not getting taken advantage of yeah sure well i mean normally a financial planner and i could speak for financial planners but uh we normally meet with folks a year uh, once to twice a year depending on complexity you can certainly meet more if it's a more complex situation but mm-hmm. general review of your overall plan and situation would be annually Maybe, you know, maybe biannually or more so if like it's a big year or there's a lot going on or it's a more complex situation. But like, I mean, honestly, that's about as much as people want to talk to me. But that's, okay. you know, beside the point. But but aside from that, it's more, are you going to be available if I need you? Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things. So, okay, yeah. And then, I mean, what, what do you charge? How do you charge, right? So um, in my world, there's a few different ways people charge. Some of them, it's like, hey, here's my flat fee. Here's my annual fee or subscription. Uh, here's a percentage of assets that 
you manage. Uh, some people still do commissions. I we don't really do that in my world. We're more fee based, but you know, some people are like, hey, if you roll, you know, move. If I manage this money for you, I will charge you X commission. We're more like a flat percentage fee based on how okay. much you have. But a lot of folks starting out don't have assets to manage. So yeah, and this is the barrier to entry with a lot of services, right? Where they're like, do I really need to pay a fee right now? For this and yeah. like just talk to different providers, right? Like if they're wanting to invest in a you know, small business owner that's starting out, they're going to work with you. Yeah. But it's also finding the right fit too, right? Like you don't want somebody that's full. You want somebody that has the time for you that wants to flex in your space and work with people like you. So there's plenty of people to work with and there's plenty of providers. So just mix and mingle until you find the right fit for okay. you. Maybe this is some. If we need to, we can cut this. But is there a? I don't know enough about the field to to know if this is the case or not. Mm-hmm. Are some better than others, or is it a personality thing? Um, you can look at the a couple of things. One, you can look at tenure, and the, every one of us that are licensed uh, have u um, fours where that's like our permanent record mm-hmm. so if you ever did anything naughty that's on there and you can go to broker check or finra.org okay. and you can check people's like permanent record if okay. they're like us and get a way too much personal information but you can i want i think it's good i think yeah. if you did something bad either get you out or yeah you know at what least I mean? have like, people be aware of it and give people a place to like search you yeah. know what i mean because if you don't know you don't know yeah um two is credentials right like are you a certified financial planner you know, there are different designations carry different workloads with them, right? So there's terminal designations like a CFP, CFA, uh, CHFC. You know, those are like harder designations, more tuned to like a doctoral program or okay. master's program. But there's other designations that are specialties like, Brad, I have a specialty in digital assets. Let me tell you how much I apply that in practice. Like, not much, yeah. but it's just an extra education thing that I picked up on the okay. side to be competent in an area. So, like, some of those designations are worth it. Some people have alphabet soup, and it doesn't really mean nothing. So, know which designations are the important ones, right? See, I'm not, you know, I'm a CFP, but CHFC, CFP, CFA. Um, those are some more prominent, larger designations that were very, like, harder to get. Okay. And then, like, ask around, you know, ask around town and usually get, I mean, it's tough. And you want to be, take that with a grain of salt because a lot of people don't know. Well, and you got a lot, I mean, that, I feel like that's with anything. You, You, anytime you're asking about people, like, there are some cases where maybe everyone has a bad experience, but there also might just be like, oh, your personality just does not work totally. well yeah. like you guys well, just don't match maybe so. maybe instead of like ask around interview around yeah like i always tell people please interview a few different practitioners because i don't i don't want this yeah. not to work so you know we hope for long-term relationships we work way better when we work with people long term because we're making yeah. long-term plans with them yeah so we want these relationships to work out long term because it's in everybody's best interest, and that's really – we want to be a win-win for everybody. Yeah. And I know my peers, all the other CFPs that I know are like that. So, yeah. Okay. Um, anything else that new or growing small business owners should know about planning? Uh, we do, I mean, there's so many things that we could have spent um, way more time on, but – I think that one one thing that I would, I would say, and I, I saw a couple on your last few podcasts, so um, – 
oftentimes the insurance part gets very expensive. So like if you're making reasonable money out of your business, that income that you get out of that business may or may not be the largest asset that you own. Think about it, right? Every paycheck that you got out of your business times the amount of years that you could probably run the business for. Mm -hmm. And where it gets real expensive is own occupation disability insurance, right? So, but as our business gets successful, like you should, you should insure your, your ability to work, right? Like if you go to, when, when you were in the, the fracking industry, right? They normally gave you like disability life and a couple mm-hmm. other package deals, right? Yeah. What's a small business owner to do? It's very expensive. I got to go write it myself now. Maybe you have a good insurance agent that could work with you and work you through that or your advisor can help you, but trade groups, Right. Oftentimes, people overlook their their local trade group, and for service professionals and all that, they're you know we're a little bit looser. But many of them will have a very inexpensive term and disability policy, maybe even commercial insurances for you. So okay. you're like, oh, do I need to join the trade group yet? It's two or three hundred bucks a year, and what do they do for me? They have group underwriting insurance and you get a way cheaper DI and life policy. And like, I know that we all want to put that stuff to the back of our head, but like, if you want to do a real business, build a real business that's, yeah. you know, you need to have that insurance. You need to back your spouse up if you kick it, you know, cause they're relying on your income or yeah. whatever. So I, you hear what I'm saying. Yeah. So, but if anybody needs help that's here, they're obviously more than welcome to reach out and we're happy to help anytime. And I love talking, as you know, I'd love talking about this stuff. I'm very yeah. passionate about it. But yeah. I just want you all to be successful out there, man. We got so many cool businesses popping up in this area and everybody's coming back home. And like, it's, it's great. Like, yeah, we're coming back. Yeah. And it's happening. And you're a part of it, dude. I'm trying. Um, any, uh, anything, any last, anything else? Nah, man. Thank you for okay. doing what you're doing. We appreciate it. Where can the humans of, of the world find you? Yeah. If they're uh, looking for any help or anything. So you can, uh, actually, I would recommend everybody check out my disclaimer on steinwealth.com and you can do our broker checks and all that if you're curious how that works and see my permanent record. Um, <laughs> but uh, all of our disclosures are on there. Keep in mind, this was not specific advice for anybody individually. If you want that, go to your counselor or give us a call. Check us out at steinwealth.com. You can come in for a con complimentary consultation or uh, just check out what we're dropping. We also have a YouTube channel where uh, we po- my partners and I post some videos. And like Brad said, we might be rolling out some new content here. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, cool. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for being a guest. Um, like, follow all the things, share it with all your, all your business owning friends. Um, because hopefully this stuff is helpful. So You're helpful, Brad. Thank you, man. Till next Appreciate time. It. You're awesome. Um, thanks for listening. See you next time. Thanks for listening, watching, wherever you're consuming this. I'm your host, Bradley Martin, and this is Clearing the Way, a resource for small business owners.